The last few weeks, we've looked at a few Christmas carols in this sermon series, and we've talked about how the songs that we sing, uh, the songs we've been singing for our whole lives at Christmas time, actually teach us a lot of theology. The words aren't empty, they reflect what we believe about God and, and who He is and what He has done and why He did it. We join Christians through the ages when we sing these carols. They're a pretty good snapshot of what the church has believed and taught through the years. And we live in a pretty confused age, right, about what is truth. Well, we know we have truth from our Bibles. It is truth without any mixture of error. We have the writings of theologians through the ages helping us to, to understand and explain Scripture. And that has been condensed into a series of, of poems and hymns, Christmas carols. And so we can look at what the church has sung through history and see that the church really has believed all these things all this time. Today's carol is Angels from the Realms of Glory. And it was written in 1816 by James Montgomery. He was the son of missionaries to the West Indies. And he, was, uh, he had a missionary calling himself. He had a passion for missions. And the, the carol, Angels from the Realms of Glory, reflects that. It reflects his missionary calling. He wrote about 400 hymns. This is the, the one I think we know the best, um, the one most commonly sung today. Angels from the realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night, God with us is now residing. Yonder shines the infant light. Sages, leave your contemplations, brighter visions beam afar. Seek the great desire of nations. Ye have seen his natal star. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. This morning, we're going to focus on uh, one part of verse 2 there, the infant light. What do we mean when we sing that? Well, obviously, we're singing about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus there in that, in that section. But where do, we, where do we get the notion that he is the light biblically? Let's look at, it, look at it together. John chapter 1. If you have your Bible, take it out, turn it on. Uh, turn it on. If you have your phone or iPad. We'll be in John chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 18 and we'll focus a little tighter uh, on some of the, those verses specifically. As we turn there, let, let's remember that all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's look at it. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. 
He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before, he, before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we all have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would show us from your word what you want us to know. That you are the light of the world. That we have the light to take with us. God, would you strengthen the preacher this morning? Let your word go forth with power that may accomplish your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So let's look today at what the angels were heralding when they heralded Jesus the light. They were sent by God for a purpose. Good news of great joy, right? Jesus had been sent into the world, made flesh and sent by God the Father to redeem us. And so too we are sent with the same good news that Jesus brought us as the infant light. In this passage, John gives us a spiritual pedigree of Jesus as Messiah. In the other gospel accounts, Matthew gives us a genealogy of Jesus through uh, the lines of Abraham and David. He was the son of Abraham, son of David, sits on David's eternal throne. In uh, Luke, we get... Mary's story, right? Jesus was born of a woman in fulfillment of prophecy. Mark really doesn't have time for uh, the introductory things. He jumps right into Jesus' life and ministry. But then in John, we see why Jesus was qualified spiritually, why he would be the Messiah, the one who spoke all of creation into existence with just his word. All right, let's look at it together. So John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All right, the beginning here sounds a whole lot like the very beginning Genesis 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, in the beginning, God are the four most offensive words in all of history. Because it tells you that unlike all other gods which are man-made, constructions of man, God existed from eternity past and created everything. And that is offensive to a world at war with God. We, we believe 
that God who existed from eternity past, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But we also believe that God who created everything is one God in three persons. And we get that uh, part of that doctrine of the Trinity from this passage. We believe that he exists eternally in three persons as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here's, here's how we see that uh, right there. In the beginning was the Word. Okay. The Word was with God. So, <coughs> excuse me. That's how it's going to go. The Word was with God. So we, we've got the Son with the Father. But also the Word was God. So Jesus, the Word, in the Greek logos there, Jesus who spoke with his Word everything into existence was with God the whole time. So he's eternally existent and he is fully God. The Word was God. Okay, it's a, an equivalency there. You have to believe, if you believe in the same God that we teach, that the God of the Bible, you have to believe that God has eternally existed in these three persons, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in the Trinity, you don't believe the same thing we do. It's important for understanding who God is, the understanding his essence. You have to know who we're talking about. We're talking about here Jesus who was God, He's the Word because He spoke all of creation into existence. He holds it together by the Word of His power, the Bible tells us. From this verse and others, we get the doctrine of the Trinity. So we know who He is. Now let's look at what He's done. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus brings life where there is only death. You and I were lost dead in our sins and trespasses completely without hope. But because of what Jesus did when he brought life to the world, he converted us from death to life. That's a greater miracle. We, we can read about uh, the miracle uh, that Jesus did when he brought Lazarus back to life, right? But we who have been redeemed... We are eyewitnesses to the same miracle ourselves. We were dead and now we are alive in Christ. If you are not alive in Christ, you need to consider whether you have Jesus or not. In Jesus, verse 4, in Jesus was life and life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, who has been on a cave tour? Show of hands. Have you been on a cave tour? Okay, did they do the thing where they get everybody still and then they turn off the lights? Okay, some cave tours do this. We, Dawn's family lives in uh, central Texas, and they live very close to Longhorn Caverns. I know you all have um, Mammoth Cave here. And, um, uh, so they get everybody in one big room in, inside the, the cavern, and they tell you not to move. And then they turn off the lights. And this is complete and total darkness. Like you can't see your hand in front of your face. Dark, right? They tell you not to move because you'll be so disoriented and won't know where to put your feet. You won't have any bearings in this kind of darkness. This is the kind of darkness that the word uh, darkness in John 1.1 in the original language refers to. 
Darkness where there is no light. Zero. That was the world full of sin without Jesus. And Jesus was sent to light it. John uh, 1 verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this is John the Baptist, the first prophet of God in 400 years. So the world had been really, really dark. Hadn't even heard a word from the Lord in 400 years. Verse 9, the true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, this is the, the Jesus who enlightens everyone who believes in his name. There is no light, there is no substitute for the kind of darkness that the world was in except for Jesus. No light that would light the darkness except for Jesus. When Brother Dan preached this passage back last year, he mentioned a few things that Jesus' light has brought to us. Jesus' light penetrates the darkness. It illuminates so that we see things better. It shows us the way. It protects us and directs us. Jesus' light cultivates us so that we grow. We have to have Jesus' light. No other light would do. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He was sent as the Messiah of the Jews, the one who would save the, the Jews. He, uh, the Jews' inheritance was given to all of us through Jesus. The, he was never recognized by the people he was sent to. He was never welcomed as the Messiah by his own people. The word receive here, his own people did not receive him to all who did receive him. The word receive is very important. It's not just about knowing who Jesus was, not believing that he lived, not believing even that he died and, and, was, rose, and, and was buried and rose again, not simply believing that those things happened. That's believing in your head. This is receiving, you believe it in your heart. It impacts the way you live. You trust him for salvation, that his way is the only way. At the end of the book of John, we see why he wrote all of this. John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life in his name, experiencing, experiencing the same inheritance that Jesus has by receiving him as your Savior. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave us the right that one day on the day of judgment when God looks at us and says, why do you belong here in heaven with me? We would not hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. But that we would hear because he's mine, because she's mine. Because they belong to me. We've been given the right to have all of that for us. 
Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus' work, his coming down to us would have to be the work of God in every way. It would be nothing that man could do. If there was a way that man could get to God without Jesus, then Jesus would not have had to die. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God wrapped himself in flesh and came to be here. And it had to be this way. It had to be because Jesus would live a perfect sin, as a perfect sinless man, tempted in every way as we are, but would never be without, with sin. He would be fully God so that his sacrifice would be powerful enough to save everyone who believes in him and to conquer sin and death forever. We are eyewitnesses to what Jesus has done. Uh, it, in, this, in this verse it says, we have seen his glory. Your translation may, see, may say, we have beheld his glory. God's glory is something to behold. What is glory? Glory simply means to see something as it really, truly is. Jesus showed us who God is, and he showed us who he is. He revealed his glory to us. Then the church, we as believers, reflect his glory to the world. The church is how the world knows who represents Jesus. Just a side thought, how are you representing Jesus? The church knows, or the world knows who the church is. By its people. The church represents Jesus. Then it says here, he is full of grace and truth. Jesus carries all of the grace we need. He is full of grace. He has it all. We need his grace every day. Grace that we don't deserve enough to forgive and to save everybody who believes. And he's full of truth. Nothing about him contains error. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's the standard by which we will all be measured one day. And then he dwelt among us. Literally, if you, if, when you translate that, the phrase is pitched his tent among us. We were all out wandering in darkness like the Israelites in the wilderness. We were all out wandering in our darkness and he came and lit the way. And stayed with us. And that by his spirit we would never be alone here again. So we see this morning that, that the angels were sent by God. Jesus, the light of the world, was sent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that through him the world would be saved. Jesus was sent here. And then he, told, he was the light of the world, and then he told us that we are the light of the world. Jesus knew his time on earth was drawing short. He gave his, his uh, disciples, not just the twelve, everybody in the hearing of his voice, everyone who believed in his name, that's you and me. He gave us the commission of being the light to the world. Matthew 5, 14 and 15, you are, light, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand... So it'll light the whole house. 
We are supposed to be a light that reflects God's glory. Jesus was sent, and then he sent, he sent us. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission. God told us, Jesus told us to go, make disciples in his name. Acts 1, 8, we would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And because we are sent, we send. We pass the torch. About a month ago, the world's population crossed the 8 billion people mark. And of those 8 billion people, nearly two-thirds of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Ten years ago, we were at 62%. Now we're at 59% after 10 years, and so we're making some progress. But there's still a long way to go in pushing back the darkness. Two-thirds of the world lives in that complete, utter, total, in-the-cave darkness with no hope and no light. The International Mission Board estimates that based on these recent population numbers crossing 8 billion, that 157,690 people will die today, 157,690 tomorrow, and every day after that, 157,690 people will die without Christ today, bound for a Christless eternity separated from God forever. We have the light. The world's population is expanding the fastest in places where there is no access to the gospel. And yet the technology that we have and the people that we have to be able to take the gospel are expanding too. We believe that every believer in Jesus should be involved in the Great Commission in some way. Taking the gospel to the nations, whether you give to support those who are going, whether you go yourself or everybody can pray for those who are going, right? You've already heard us talking all month about the 3,600 missionaries and international church planners who are working worldwide through the International Mission Board. Pray for them. Pray also for more missionaries to be called out, some maybe even from this room. Back in August uh, on Brother Dan's 20th anniversary, talked about the 20 missionaries from our church in those 20 years who have gone out from Lone Oak serving all over the world. We have an IMB family that's going to be reappointed to the field this summer and going out to a very dark region of the world sent from our church. Who's going to be the next? One of these teenagers or college students or maybe a a kid that today is in children's ministry. Maybe the Lord's working in your heart this morning for you to be the next from Lone Oak to go to the nations. Should today, right here at Christmas, be the day that you respond to him? This morning and all month, our church participates in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which I believe is the most systematic and uh, efficient mechanism that exists for getting funding directly to missionaries. 100% of the gifts that you give to Lottie Moon go straight to the field, to missionaries pushing back the darkness and carrying the light. Here's what we're going to do. Um, in just a minute, Mark's going to come, mus- musicians are going to come, he's going to lead us in, uh, in singing. If your family hasn't yet 
decided what to do, pray about how you would be involved. Brother Dan always asks us with the goal of having every family in our church participating in some way, what will you give Jesus for his birthday? And that's what we get to do with our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So in just a minute, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And while we're singing, your family take a few minutes and think about and pray about how you'll be involved. And when the time is right for you, bring the whole family with your gift to the manger. If you're here on the bottom floor, we have two mangers, one on each side, uh, and then two boxes up in the balcony. If you're on the floor, come down the outer side and go back up the middle so we don't have a traffic uh, jam. But after you've had a chance to think about it and pray about it, bring your whole family and bring your gift to the manger. And we consider today the angels who heralded the birth of the infant light. We also hear the invitation to come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would show us how you want us to be involved in the Great Commission taking the good news to the ends of the earth. We pray that you would reveal to us how we're to go or to give or to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand together as we worship and bring your gifts whenever you're ready.
Y'all can just remain standing. We're going to sing another song in just a second. And if and our ministers will be down here at the front. If you realize this morning that you don't know the light that we read about, you've never believed in his name so that you, you too could have life, let this be the morning when that happens. If you need to come and talk to somebody about baptism or about joining our church, or maybe the Lord's been working in your heart about missions or surrender, surrendering to him for ministry, we'd love to talk to you about that too. Whatever uh, decision you need to make, while we sing, is a great time for you to, to do that. If you're watching online, you can text the word TODAY to 270-398-5005, and one of our ministers will call you today. Whatever uh, decision you need to make, let's do that now. Let today be the day of salvation. Mark? I need to pray. Let's, let's pray. God, we ask that you would take the gifts that we have given. We pray that you would take the gift of our hearts, the gift of our lives, that we return to you, believing that everything we have is yours. It comes from you. God, we know that there are missionaries and church planters working around the world today in places where it's pretty dangerous to do what they're doing. So we pray that you would protect them. We pray that your word would go forth with power, no matter what the governments around the world might say. No matter how the danger might be, we pray that your word would go forth, that the gospel would go around the world Let it start here in West Kentucky. Let it start in our hearts. God, we pray that you would take this time and use it to strengthen us, that you would use it to encourage us. God, we pray that you would use us to accomplish your purpose. In Jesus' name.